Grab a Bible, open up to Ephesians. We are in chapter 6 today, having finally made it to the last chapter of Ephesians. And uh, one of the things I, I love about the book of Ephesians is how we see the covenant understanding of, of children in this book. You, you might remember, you could even look back a few pages at uh, chapter 1 of Ephesians, right from the very beginning, and, and you see that the book is addressed to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Jesus Christ. Saints in this sense, meaning anyone who is a disciple, a follower, uh, uh, someone who trusts in Jesus Christ. Uh, and, and so then we've, we've seen throughout chapter 5 and now into chapter 6, these segments of, of saints uh, that are, are being addressed specifically within the greater body of saints. And uh, as Paul first addressed wives, we saw, and then he addressed husbands, and today he's addressing children, and, and then he's going to address fathers in the second portion of today. Um, so children, those of you that are present here, do you hear that? He, he says children. The Apostle Paul is reminding you that as children, you have covenant obligations to your family. Um, you see this? Children are not considered outsiders, but as an, another grouping within the church of God's covenant community. And so children, I want you to pay special attention today, particularly in the first portion, because these first three verses are, are, are God's word speaking particularly to you. Uh, so let's read this. Uh, chapter 6, verse is 1, and we'll read through verse 4 today. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. The grass withers, the flower fades. Let's pray. God, thank you for not leaving us in the dark, for giving your word. Thank you for the relationships we see in this passage, for children to care for, to discipline and instruct, and for mothers and fathers to protect us to learn from and to teach us what it means to be under authority, ultimately under your authority, Lord. Make us wise to come to your word and learn this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So children, I know you've got things to color, things to look at, but pay attention for a moment. The, uh, the Apostle Paul here is absolutely addressing you, and he's addressing you whether you're this many, uh, or whether you are old enough to drive but are still living in your parents' home and eating their food and uh, existing because of them. Uh, so I'll say this. Most children and adults also either prefer cats or dogs as pets. One is considered superior to the other. Uh, go ahead and raise your hand if you prefer cats. This helps me, you know, profile you. Just kidding. Uh, and if you prefer dogs, <clears throat> we are clearly a dog congregation. <laughs> So dog people will tell you that uh, a cat is a lot like having a, a fish that just wanders around your entire house. Uh, and, and what they really mean is you don't actually do anything with a cat. You might do something to the cat, uh, but you don't do anything with a cat. You just watch it do stuff and, and laugh from time to time. And, and I know some of you cat lovers will tell me, I've heard it many times, you know, not my cat. My cat comes when I call him. My cat is like a dog. And, and when I hear that, I always think, you know, uh, so you're saying that your dog, your, your cat is so unique, so uniquely like a dog, uh, and that's really the best way to explain that your cat is amazing. It's like an ordinary dog. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
and so the reason that anyone has cats as a pet, really, if, if they're honest, is, is simply that uh, they're funny and, and they're very low maintenance. They're easy to have. Uh, no one comes home to, to feed their cat or to walk their cat at lunchtime. Uh, you can leave town and someone can just stop by every few days, see if your cat's still there. Uh, you know, that's, that's fine. They're fine. Uh, and so dogs are, certainly have a whole lot more upside. I have a cat, and I'll admit, dogs have more upside. They, they love you. They can learn things. They do tricks. They, they certainly express some sense of, of, of acknowledging you. Uh, but they're also a great deal more responsibility. Uh, you have to feed them more often. They have to go on, on walks uh, outside, even in the winter. Uh, they are, uh, you know, take them out for the bathroom, things like that. But, but the thing about cats is you can't really train a cat at all, not in the same way that you can train a dog. Uh, you tell your cat to, to sit here, right? And, and you're lucky if the cat even acknowledges you're there, you know. Is that human speaking to me? That's kind of the way cats function. Uh, you've probably never in your entire life seen a bomb-sniffing cat because they can't be trained that way. Uh, they aren't teachable. They're absolutely incapable of obedience. Uh, and, and so children, <clears throat> let me ask you this. Are you like a cat or like a dog? What do you think? What do you, raise your hand if you think cat. <laughs> Meech. And raise your hand if you think dog. <clears throat> okay. Uh, truth is, it's a trick question. You are not like a cat or a dog because you were created in the image of God. You were created special. You were created unique. You have a soul that will last forever. You can be creative. You can learn and you can worship God in a way that no animal can. And, and God in our passage today is, is calling you, you, you children here, to obey your parents. And he's calling you to this because you're capable of doing it. And he desires for you to do so. You see, too often I think um, parents and, and children relate to each other as if they are cats and parents. Um, you know, a, a mother or father, you know, says something to a child and, and the child hardly listens and just kind of continues on doing whatever it was doing before. That's the cat motion in it. Uh, <clears throat> whatever it was doing before. Uh, parents, you are not raising cats, Okay. You're not raising cats. The, the call of God on your life as a parent is to disciple your children. And, and children, you are, you are, uh, if you're to be wise, you're going to learn here. You're going to learn that it means what it means to obey. You're going to learn to receive instruction from your parents and, and for your good. Uh, and so children, keep listening because we're going to go through these verses that are addressed to you here at the beginning. And, and then we're going to get on to your parents in the second part so you can... Keep listening anyway. Uh, <laughs> all right, so these first verses are intended to, to speak to you. Verse 1 says this, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And in the book of, of Colossians, just next to this one, and the book of Colossians is a real similar statement in Colossians 3.20, uh, and it says this, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Yeah, you see... Uh, what this means is that children in the, in the covenant, children in the church and, and Christian families, you have this, this actual responsibility to, to live as disciples of Christ. Uh, not someday way down the line, but, but now as children. And, and the first place that we, we, we see this is how children obey their parents. Now, uh, <clears throat> and so then I guess the question is, do you, do you know what obedience is? It's, it's pretty simple, right? Uh, it's 
Let me give you a definition, though. If it's doing what you have been told or taught to do <clears throat> without challenge, without giving excuses, and, and without delaying. And so, children, let me ask you this. If your mom says, put away your shoes, what should you do? You, can, you got your hand up. Go Shout it out. I'm sure your mom has shouted this out before. <laughs> do it. Yeah. Put away your shoes. Uh, so, so it would be disobedient to not put away your shoes, but it would also be disobedient to, to give some sort of excuse instead. You know, I'm, I'm going to put them on later, which is equivalent to no, uh, because I'm going to put them on later. Uh, and it would be disobedient to say, I'm, I'm in the middle of a game right now. So no, uh, that's ultimately what you're saying. And so parents, this is where you can come in and actually help your children to learn to obey by actually expecting them to do so without challenge, without giving excuses, and without delaying. And, and that means, you know, don't just raise your voice until you finally get the response you've been, you've been waiting to get from the, the beginning. Uh, it also means things like this, don't, don't count. I know we're all prone to do that. We've seen it. We kind of get taught that. But, uh, you know, when I watch parents in a store count, I, I just think, your child is actually really smart, and, and, and they really understand what's going on, that you have just given them permission, a blank check, to do whatever they want for the next three seconds <clears throat> until you get to that three. Uh, and, and so what you've really taught them is, is to not obey right away. Obey when mom gets to three. Uh, but, you know, it, it, when, don't do that. Uh, and, and so children, you might be wondering, though, why, why is obedience important? Why, why when God addresses you specifically as children, that this is the one thing that he, he addresses you with? Uh, first of all, it, it, it teaches and it models for us the way that all of us, your parents, all adults as well, are, are under the submission, or under the authority of, of God who's above us. Uh, we're called to the same thing, only in response to God. And, you know, as your children learn to obey, your, your, your mother and your father, you're going to learn uh, what it means to obey other authorities in your life. And ultimately, what it means to obey God as, as your ultimate authority. Uh, J.C. Ryle wrote this in a, a book he wrote. He said, You must not wonder that men refuse to obey their father, which is in heaven, if parents allow them, when children, to disobey their father, who is upon earth. Uh, it's a teaching, a modeling. And, and the second reason, let me give you another one. It's important to obey is because obedience to parents is, is evidence that a child knows the Lord, is growing in the Lord. And children, I don't mean perfect by any means. Don't think that. Your parents don't obey the God, Lord perfect by any means. And, and it's not calling that some expectation of that. But, but are you really seeking to obey your parents? Is this something in your life that, that you're pursuing because God calls you to? And I say this, and, and in fact, in, in the Bible, in Romans chapter 1, verses 29 and 30, there's this, this conversation, this statement going on about um, those people who won't acknowledge God as God. Okay, they're rejecting God. And listen to what it says of those people. It says they are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty. You don't have to worry about those words. You know what they mean. Boastful, inventors of evil. And the last one here, disobedient to parents. We don't like that one, right? Let's just toss that one out and go back to murderers. Um, but what we're seeing here is that Obedience to your parents is important because it is, it is teaching you about authority, because it is a fruit of God working in your heart, and the last reason is because it's about your safety. When, when our children were little, we, we taught them when we go on walks or bike rides and we come to an intersection, they need to stop until we get there. 
doesn't matter how far we have to go or how close we are, they stop and they wait so they can cross with us. And the simple reason for doing so was to keep them safe. Uh, we explain, cars aren't looking for you, cars will run you over, uh, especially the yellow ones, they don't stop. And, and they wouldn't be looking them. And so, you know, those of you that are, are older and you're thinking all this is, is young children stuff, you, you might see, see the same thing as true. You know, you might be frustrated at the rules your parents have given you, rules that you have on how you can use the internet and what you can watch on TV, things about how you can use phones or what you can do when you're driving a car or if you can drive a car. And, and I'll tell you this, your parents have these rules for your protection. And so even if at some level you just hate these rules and they frustrate you, you've got to acknowledge that God calls you to this, to obey these rules. And I hope you really know that they exist because your parents do, in fact, love you and they seek your safety. That's the goal of this. Parents don't get up in the morning and think, how can we frustrate our children today? I've got a list here. How about we start number one? Um, and so then the second thing we see in this passage here, uh, verses 2 and 3, it says, Honor your mother and your father. Uh, this might sound really familiar to you because, uh, as Travis pointed out just a little bit ago, it's from the Ten Commandments, the, the fifth commandment given in Exodus 20. Uh, to honor means to respect. It means to, to recognize that your parents have been given by God as an authority over you in your life. At the most basic level, it's, it's what we have just learned about uh, obeying our, our parents. That's a way of honoring our parents. And so one of the best ways that we, we learn this, that, you know, what we are told to, to learn, what we are told to obey in Scripture here is to consider the opposite. You know, anytime we see in Scripture do this, if you consider the opposite, it gives you a good idea of what would be sin, what would be disobedience to this command. Uh, let me give you a few of these. In this one, if you fail to honor your parents if you, if you give them no respect, right? Um, or if in your thoughts or your words or your actions, you're opposed against your, your parents. You, you want to do something different, to, to defeat them in some way. Uh, also, in a, in, a, in a sense, to be unfaithful in the way that you care for their possessions. This one might sound a little strange at first, but uh, meaning, meaning to not take good care of the food and the clothing and, and the car and the education that, that you've been given. It's not to say mistakes don't happen, but to foolishly just waste them. Uh, my, my family tells a story when I was a, a little kid. We actually had a, a little table I can remember that was more little kid size, but um, they had served something called chop suey. I don't think I've ever eaten it since, but it was a, a Chinese meal of some sort. Travis will know. I don't know if it's Chinese. Uh, so anyway, I, I didn't like it. So I took the place and I said, I hate chop suey, and threw the plate across the room. And my family laughs about it today. And all I can imagine, if I were sitting there that day, I, I, I was, right? Uh, if I could remember this, though, I imagine that my mother was not laughing in this moment uh, after spending the time to actually make this meal and, and provide it and put it on the table. Uh, and, and so there's things like that, the way we respect, by the way we, we, we care for the things that have been given to us by them. Uh, we also fail to honor our parents if we mock them, meaning we mock them to others, our friends, even out of their earsight. If we argue, if we complain against them or with them. Uh, but we honor our parents when we learn from them. Proverbs 1.8, right, right at the very beginning of this book all about wisdom, says this, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching." Honoring parents, though, is, is not limited to children in the home. You guys uh, you know that. As adults, you're still called to honor your parents. It looks a little different. Uh, we're not going to get into that today for the, the sake of time, and since this is addressed to children specifically. 
but uh, we will say we did at parish group last Thursday night, and so if you're interested in that, if you're finding you're about to go home for Thanksgiving, I'm not sure to honor my parents, send me a, a message and I'll give you the notes that we went over on, on that day. Uh, so then anyway, moving on. Uh, the second portion of this commandment says that it comes with a promise. And if you look in your passage before you, you can see what this promise is. It says that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Uh, parents are more likely to see this, but does, does that structure sound familiar to you? Um, it's a covenantal structure. There are, there's a, uh, covenant curses, you know, if you disregard it, that, that your life will be shorter is what it's saying here. And there are these covenant blessings that your life will live long in the land. So the point here is not that every child who is obedient, or to the degree they are obedient to their children, that their life is going to necessarily be longer. Uh, at the most basic leather, level, what we're seeing here is that God delights in obedience. And obedience here puts you into a safe place. Uh, when, you, when you do obey your, your parents, you know, by not running into the street, you're, you're safe from cars. And, and when you obey by not getting into the medicine cabinet, you are protected from the dangers of that. You know, when you honor your, your parents' rules in regards to relationships as you grow older, it's, it's for your good, it's for the good of your, your mind, it's for the good of your heart, it's for the good of your body. Your parents mean it for good. And so then, in, in verse 4 then, Paul changes the direction to, to fathers. Um, it reads, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. If you're like me, the first question I kind of had when I came to this is, why is it addressed to only fathers? Uh, it, it is addressed, um, and, and, and you have that question. I mean, the first thing I thought was, is, is this because fathers do all the parenting? <laughs> no. I, you know that's not true. I know that's not true. Every mother and, and father and child in this room absolutely knows that the bulk of parenting is actually done by mothers. Paul knows that too. It's not that he's oblivious to this fact, but, but, but rather a father has the ultimate responsibility um, uh, to, to make sure this stuff is happening. And that's a natural extension of the, the headship that we saw in Ephesians 5, 23 through 25. And so it's his responsibility. Uh, the father as the, uh, the head of the family, it's uh, his responsibility to make sure that discipline and instruction are being administered to children. Which means that fathers need to have these conversations uh, with our wives, right? Uh, how are we going to do this? What are we, what's our discipline going to look like? What are we expecting? What are, what are these things? And, and if the father's not in the picture, then this responsibility absolutely falls on, onto the mother as the head of her house. But you know, as we approach this, this topic, I, I want to address both fathers and mothers in this. Um, because in this one flesh union, you are working together in the day-to-day -day discipline and instruction of your children. And so, parents, uh, take a moment right now to, to look at your children. You don't have to look at me. Look at your children, uh, really. Or, or, or think about them if, if they're not present. And as you're looking at this child, I want you to think that that child that you're looking at or thinking at, that child, your child, has a soul and will live forever and ever and ever. That's weighty. God has made you responsible to prepare your child for life in this world and for eternal life to come forever and ever and ever. That's a big responsibility. And so that raises this question then, as parents, 
What, what is the goal of your parenting? What's, what's the goal? What are you aiming at? What would you say, this was success in parenting? And, and, and for this reason, you know, you might say the foundational parenting passage in the scriptures is, is not even the one we're looking at here in, in, in Ephesians or the one that's uh, in Colossians. But rather, Matthew 28, 19 through 20. And if you know that, that's the Great Commission, where, where Jesus says this, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. We talk about discipleship, but, but right off the bat, the children in your household, if that's your responsibility in discipleship, that's your first set of responsibility. Uh, and so with that goal and, and, and that responsibility in mind, let's, let's look at what this verse 4 actually says. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. And again, Colossians 3 gives something similar. In verse 21, it simply says this. Father, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. And, and that helps us because we begin to understand what we're trying to avoid we don't want to raise our children in a way that discourages them in their walk with the Lord or discourages them in life or any other way. Now, don't get this wrong. Paul doesn't mean that your kids are going to like everything you do, right? Oh, they want ice cream for dinner. Let's give them ice No, that's not what he's talking about. He doesn't mean that they're, they're never going to get angry about parenting decisions. He, he means don't cause them anger or frustration for, for no good reason. Don't, don't raise them that way. I, I think we'll better understand this if we just look at a few examples. This is one of those you kind of need to think, what, is this, what does this look like to actually provoke someone to anger? Like um, neglect of time and attention. The, uh, you know, that, that dad is, is never there. Dad's always busy. He never talks to me. That, that sort of thing. Also, you know, being mean-spirited as a father, using uh, abusive speech or, or overly harsh discipline that, that, that just comes from, from a meanness of heart. Favoring one child over another. And, and, and really doing, I know that everyone in their family has this, like, I think everyone does, like, Laura and I still joke about, you know, whether we moved up or down the standings in our family of favorite children. Uh, and, and, you know, and it's a joke, I hope, but, but here, to, to really show favoritism to one child over another, like, like Jacob showed favoritism to, to Joseph. Um, we exasperate our children we expect, when we expect them to be more capable than they really are, or are capable of being. Uh, you see this when parents push their children to be great in some sport that they simply aren't gifted in. Or when they're yelling endlessly from the, from the sidelines about every detail, go left, go right, run up the middle, like just, you know, where they want to EA sports, this just child of theirs. Uh, and it's not just sports. I think sports are where it's most obvious. But uh, I'll tell you, the valedictorian in my brother's class, which was, you know, four grades above mine, but he was, he was pushed so hard by his parents academically that he absolutely resented them in college until the day that he failed out of college. Uh, we can do this in absolutely any area that we, we want to see our kids really, uh, you know, uh, exceed in. We, we provoke our children to anger by bickering and by fighting. And, and if you enter into divorce with it, between your mother and your father. And I know that might be a hard one for people to hear. But I, I've mentioned before, I really struggled for a long time after my parents divorced to respect either one of them. 
And it's only by the, by the grace of God as an adult that I'm learning what it means to, to, to obey the Lord in the way that I'm, I, I honor them as an adult. Also, it's, it's sin to discipline in anger. Paul, Paul Tripp makes this beautiful point about this. Uh, think what you think of him. But he says this. He says, uh, hey, Dad, thanks for streaming at me so much. I just didn't understand until you yelled in anger. Said no child ever. We provoke our children when we don't really listen to our, our children. I know uh, our, our youngest, Berkeley, would, would always like out us in these moments when we were doing something else or you know, messing with your phone while you're parked somewhere. Uh, and, and, and you'd just be saying, uh-huh, yeah, no, that's really great, that's great. And, and she'd get really mad and you could hear in her voice, you're talking funny. She, j she knew we weren't listening to her. And we're busted and you're kind of <laughs> listening, you know. We, we provoke anger by failing to keep promises. And the more that we fail to keep promises, the more we exasperate our children. Uh, let me give one more about how we provoke to anger. When, when we use guilt to manipulate them. I don't know that all parents are aware that we do this. Uh, you know, we, our, our children want to please us. That's a, a natural thing within them. Uh, and, and using that desire to only serve our own needs is, is, is selfish. It isn't right. Uh, you know, you can probably get your child to, to wear whatever clothes you want by, by emotionally manipulating them in, in some way. Um, but why? I mean, what, what are the costs of accomplishing something like that? Eventually they catch on to what's going on. And, and that's one of those things that provokes anger. So, so then we're not to provoke an anger, but rather it gives us a positive statement here. It's saying that we are to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Our, our generation, at least you know, my parents and the one that I'm in now, even more so, spends a lot of time providing for our children experiences and stuff that we think they really need. Um, but, but parenting is not so much what we provide for our children, not so much what we give our children, but, but what we teach our children. That's parenting. You see, the, the church will come alongside to, to help, but by God's design, the, the family is the primary means of discipleship. That, that means you, mothers and fathers. And our, our passage then is dividing this into two areas, the, the disciple or the discipline of the Lord and the instruction of the Lord. These are, are our two areas. And let's, let's just begin with discipline, since the text does. Discipline is not the same thing as punishment. That's an important distinction to know right off the bat. Punishment wants to inflict pain on someone because of their, their failure, make them pay for it. Discipline wants to correct for the sake of training, for the sake of building up in the future. Punishment is given in anger and frustration most often. Uh, discipline is with love, with desire to see change for the good of the child. And, and no one, children, you might want to listen to this, nobody in the moment of discipline and enjoys it. But you've got to know that it's an act of love. It's a, it's a statement of love from your parents. You can consider Hebrews uh, chapter 12, verses 7 and 8, where we read this. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline. If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. And then just three verses later, he adds this. He says, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. Anyone who's ever been disciplined can confirm that. In the moment, 
All discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But it doesn't stop there. It goes on and says this. But later it yields. It means it gives fruit, right? It, it comes from this, the harvest time. The peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. You see, one reason I believe that, that parents are afraid to discipline, I, I feel it myself sometimes, is, is this fear that, that your children are going to be mad at you for it. You know, it's that, you know, which at the heart is just this, this selfish reason that we have, you know. I, I want them to like me. And, and as parents, we've, we, we, we've got to put the good of our children above the desire that we have for them just to, to like us in the moment. Parents, if, if you love your child, this is what Scripture is teaching us here. If you love your child, you will discipline him. Again, this is never because of an accident, right? Accidents you don't discipline for. You help them clean up accidents. But, but when they purposely have disobeyed, then discipline is needed. That's, that's how we learn. You know, when a, a very young child is told, you know, don't touch that electric socket, and the parent keeps saying, no, 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 don't touch that, don't touch that, and, and there's absolutely no reinforcement from this word, then, then, then what these children actually are learning in that moment is that the word no from mom and dad's mouth means absolutely nothing. And unfortunately, that's one of the first things we teach our children when they're growing up. Um, can I also recommend that you not negotiate with your children? Uh, you know, it, it's, it, if you're good at the store today, I'll buy you a toy. All right. That, that's not obedience. And, and the problem is negotiation can be incredibly effective, and that's why we want to do it. But it's not a, a obedience, and so don't negotiate, disciple, or discipline your children. Uh, a mother named Julie Voss, uh, you know, someone whose kids were in our youth group back in, in Kansas City, once told me that the reason she doesn't negotiate with her children is that's not how God treats us. And since God is our Father and we are His children, we want to parent in, in the way that He models it for us. He doesn't negotiate with us. He doesn't tell us to uh, obey because then you're going to get something else that's incredibly awesome uh, in return for that obedience. He gives these commands and he expects us to obey simply because it's right, simply because he's called us to it. Uh, so then the question arises at some point here, what does this discipline look like? Uh, I'll say it's absolutely taboo in our, our culture, um, but scripture speaks of the rod. One place is in Proverbs 13, 24. Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. And I'll, I'll say from the beginning, I won't be dogmatic about this. You don't have to spank to discipline, but I believe that when it's done properly, it, it is an actual, actual beautiful thing. That might sound weird to you at first, right? Um, let me explain. My, my father... <clears throat> Uh, when he was frustrated and, and angry at his children, uh, <clears throat> he would spank. And, and, and what we learned was, or what we saw, though, was that it meant if we were getting a spanking, then, then whatever we did was particularly. It was really, really bad because dad is mad, and that's when spankings happen. If, if that's what you think spanking is, don't do it. Absolutely don't do it because you have misunderstood this completely. You will sin in the process. You will cause harm to your children. That's not spanking. But, but listen, let me, let me tell you this. This is how Laura and I were taught to do it, and it's how we've sought to practice it in our life. This is one way for you to learn. I'm not saying this is the absolute way. 
Uh, when a child sins, and we only spank for a nameable sin, something distinct and clearly, never because we're, we're just absolutely at our wit's end with them, uh, then we take them out of the situation to a private place, and we lead them into confession of their sin. Because they have to know what their sin was. Uh, and they have to admit it themselves. We want them to learn how to do that. And, and then they were, they were spanked with a, a wooden spoon, just the kind you cook with. Uh, a quick flip to the bottom, purposefully not with our hand. Um, and, and then as they sit in our lap, we lead them in prayer and we remind them, God is not angry with you. We are not angry with you. There is restoration here. And we hold them in our arms incredibly close, and it's one of those wonderful things. It's a, it's a model of, of how we relate to God with our sin. There is confession and consequence, repentance and forgiveness, and absolutely full restoration. And we, we chose this model because we didn't like the message of sending our children away from us in, in time out. The idea that, you know, when you're sin, you, you get away from me over there, and then eventually you, you can come back. Um, God never pushes us away from himself when we sin. See, I, I want them to learn to run to God when they find themselves in sin. Be because that's where forgiveness and, and restoration is found for all who follow the Lord. And that's, that's true for you no matter what age you are. When you sin, run to God, even though everything in you, like Adam and Eve, right, is to go run and hide from God. But the place you need to go is, is to God. And, and like I said, I, I won't be dogmatic about that. I'm not saying you've got to do it this way. If you have a different form of discipline that can be given consistently and in love, then by all means pursue that. Uh, but do have some form of discipline. Don't, don't threaten, you know, be consistent in what your discipline looks like. Now, uh, let's look at this last phrase. Uh, bring them up, and skipping over that part, bring them up in the instruction of the Lord. Uh, it's the sort of instruction that Deuteronomy 6, 6 and 7 speaks of uh, when, when there God calls, calls and he says this. God says, And these words that I have commanded you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. Right? These are things to be taught in all these different aspects of life. Uh, this, of course, means that we're to instruct our children constantly in what the scriptures teach us. And, and, and let's just jump into some practical ways to instruct our, our children here. First, pray for your children. Pray for them. Even before your children are, are born, pray for your children. And then, pray with your children. Uh, teach them how to pray to God by modeling what it means to pray to God. Ask them how you can pray for them. And, and ask them to pray for you. Share things with your children that they can pray for you. You know, when they come in and need a shoulder to cry on, give them a shoulder to cry on. And then pray for them. Um, then another way. Then, you know, model what it means to be a lifelong disciple of Christ. Don't let them think you're, you're perfect and have, you know, arrived. You haven't. Uh, show them what it means to be constantly walking with the Lord. Uh, show them what it means by, by practicing daily Bible reading. Memorize scripture together. And I know these things start to stack up. Like, that's a lot of stuff. Where am I going to find that time? What if, if you memorize one verse this year? One verse. That's a work in your children's life. Um, you know, so, so do that. Uh, then when issues arise in the life with friends and dating and everything else, teach them to, to ask this question first. What does God think about this? Because we, we want them to be thinking through life that way. We want them to think, okay, whatever God's view is, 
that I can, I can see in his word, that's what I want my view to be. Uh, put your, your faith in the real practice, like uh, things like this, you know, like does the fact that you as a, as a family are disciples of Christ, does that affect how much TV you watch or, or what shows you actually do watch on TV? Things like that. Put these things into practice and show them how they're being put into practice. Not just, no, you can't write, watch that. Give them a, show them why you don't want to watch that. Tell them. Uh, also instruct by making it easy for your children to approach you with problems and doubts and concerns and the most awkward questions you can possibly think of. That means you don't freak out when they come and ask you questions. You, you, you want your children coming to you to be the absolute safest place that they can ask a question and expect to get an honest and godly answer in return. Another thing, allow them to fail and still know that they are loved and accepted completely by you. That that failure doesn't change that. Uh, instruct and model for them Christ-centered priorities. Be, be more concerned about Christian attitudes and character than you are about athletic skill and external beauty and intelligence. Uh, uh, Chap Bettis wrote this. He said, well, when we may give lip service to discipling our children, the reality comes when we start prioritizing our activities. There is this, this temptation uh, to spend every effort you have to develop your child's academic, academic or performance in things like dance or uh, musical abilities or sports skills or any number of other things, which can all be really good things. I'm not saying don't do them. But in light of eternity, we need to care more about encouraging the development of Christian character. We need to care more about uh, seeing the, the fruit of the Spirit actually developing in their life, you know, love and joy and peace and Patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Um, also, model repentance for them. This is something I'll, I'll say my, our generation, like my parents' generation, they really seem to have struggled with this. I won't say it across the board, but as a, as a broad statement, uh, to ever acknowledge when they had done something wrong in the presence of their, their children, parents. That means that at times you need to go to your children and ask repentance for something you've done. You know, we're talking about how to parent well, but at times you are going to yell. You're going to do something you shouldn't. Repent, you know, and you'll be shocked how quickly your children learn to forgive you. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, model a desire to obey the Lord yourself. Uh, I think I mentioned before, I really struggle with, with speeding. Not because I just like to, you know, break the law. It's not, you know, fighting the law and see if I can win. It's this idea of I don't even realize I'm speeding. And, and so I've asked my children now that when they see that I'm speeding, to make this beep, 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 it's, it's like this, you know, alarm. Oh, I'm speeding, and I'll, I'll slow down. And, and sometimes I feel like a child because I want to give an excuse, like, well, it's because I'm going downhill, or, you know, there's some reason why I'm speeding. And, and yet I'm, I'm so grateful that they do it because they're, they're helping me to, to obey the Lord in the way that I should be. Uh, also, teach your children to value the value of church by, by regular worship and involvement in the lives of other Christians. Um, bring them along when you go to help someone, to serve someone. Even if they can't do much, just let them come along and see this and carry the little things or whatever it might be. Uh, you know, invite people over. Show them what it means to show hospitality. Uh, teach them, you know, this is, this here, this, this church, this is their covenant family too. Not just their parents' covenant family, their covenant family. And as your children grow up, give them opportunities to make decisions. Walk through these things with them. Help them think what's wise, what's unwise. And then let them have these decisions at times 
Let them see how they go and talk through them afterwards. Help them learn to be wise. Uh, before we close, let me just say one more thing. So parents, this, and you know, sometimes it, it can be overwhelming. We, we look for these big moments to, to parent. We want to see quick results. It's just the way we're, we're kind of wired as, as Americans. Um, it, it's the little things in life, though. It's a slow, steady process your, your parenting is, is like. Um, Rachel Jankovic uh, said it well. She said this, we can't do parenting in, in one big nugget. She's thinking of gold here, in one big nugget. We can't even do it in a bunch of medium nuggets. We, we have to leave gold through their lives in a fine dust that spread over everything. And at the end of our children's lives, we, we, hope, we, we hope it is worth an absolute fortune but at any given moment, it's the little things that contain the gold. These conversations while, while you're in the kitchen, these conversations while you drive, these, these questions they ask. And, a, and a, you know that moment when you think, okay, they asked a great question and we're going down this direction and then suddenly their ADD kicks in and they're just gone. And you think, what, what happened there? I was about to teach them something. Those little things begin to, to actually add up in their life. Uh, so let us take... Serious, the call to discipline and instruct our children, but, but also let us go to God on their behalf with, with prayer because we know that it is God alone who can give the growth of faith in our children that we so desire for them. Um, and I'll say one more thing before we close. Uh, Laura and I over the years have kind of collected a, a list of resources that have been, been good for us. We ask around about parenting and stuff all the time, and sometimes we find great stuff, sometimes we don't. Uh, but, but I made a list. It's printed outside the door. You can pick one of those up. If you don't like what's on there, by all means, I'm not saying it's not an official list of the church by any means. It's just something more I have found helpful. Uh, and you can go through that. I've also got a, a bucket of some of these books if you want to look through them. Because I know, again, as a parent, I'm always looking for resources that are, you know, how can I disciple my children? What's it look like? What does it look like to pick up a book and walk through it with them, and, you know, at night or in the morning? Uh, so they're out there. You can look through those. Uh, let's pray.